Episode 97, Medical Music and Career Options. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we are Dr. Amy Arton's perspective. Join 2017 and 2018 Podcast Awards nominated host as we get a behind the curtain look at all types of doctors and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Welcome back. If you're driving, if you're at the gym, be safe while listening. Today on the show, we have a Dr. Amy Arton. She is from South Louisiana, just like myself. In fact, apparently we grew up about 20 minutes apart. Uh, met her, I think it was like my last trimester or so of school. Anyway, today is a unique episode because she is part musician, part chiropractor, and she's done a little bit of everything. She's had her own clinic. She's done fill-in work. She's been a professor or an instructor. I'm not sure which one they use. So she kind of has a, a well-rounded look on things in the chiropractic profession. But her big passion is music and songwriting. And we'll go into it later, but she was always a part of Cadaver Lab celebration, which means I don't know if it's in the beginning or at the end of uh, Cadaver's usefulness in a school, not just chiropractic schools, but, you know, schools across the country that use them. Uh, but that was a gift. I mean, somebody decided to donate their body to science. And it is something that, you know, I guess we could probably take for granted. But the things that we learn from those bodies last us a lifetime, especially us non-surgeons who really don't really see that again. So it's very cool. So she wrote a song, and at the end of the episode, you'll be able to hear it. But until then, we talk all things music, songwriting, how's that work in the industry. But then we also talk about being a professor, being an instructor, new technology, and all of those types of varying topics. I enjoyed the talk. I hope you will as well. All the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 97. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China. In Houston, Texas, today's guest is a doctor of chiropractic, a, also a singer-songwriter. Been knowing her since my college days, actually. Her name is Dr. Amy Arton. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Justin. Good to be here. Yeah. I know a little bit more about your background than probably most people, so I think that's kind of fun. Um, Maybe scary. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> but, but one of the things I know about you is you came from a family business that was going well, and I think you have one of those stories where people are like, I could have probably stayed at this job for the rest of my life and would have been okay and been financially fine and all this kind of stuff, but you didn't. That's you had right. this desire to maybe be a chiropractor or maybe something else. You let me know. And uh, you said, forget this. I got I to gotta do me. And you went to chiropractic school, which is obviously not an easy thing. It's not a cheap thing. And um, you have an underlying passion for music, which is one of the reasons why you're on the show today. So- uh, give us a little bit of background about yourself and, and how you decided to do chiropractic and, and leave a, a solid thing. Well, you know, Justin, the big thing was uh, while I was doing the business back home, uh, everything was going well. And the biggest issue I had was I always felt like something was kind of missing, even though that was doing OK. And I wanted and, and I had had an incident when I was like 19 and I was, you know, struggling health wise and I had gone to some medical doctors and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. And my dad told me that maybe we should bring me to a chiropractor. And at the time, I didn't know what chiropractic even was. And he explained about the nervous system and all that good stuff and how maybe some adjustments might help. So I'm like, well, let's let's go ahead and give it a shot. So uh, I went to the chiropractor. And after about a month, I mean, all those symptoms and stuff started to subside. And I was very impressed. 
And I was always in the doctor's office, always trying to learn. And my mom kept saying, hey, why don't you go to chiropractic school? And I was like, nah. And she kept saying it. I was like, nah. And then finally, uh, years later, like I'm talking almost 10 years later, I just woke up one day and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to chiropractic school. <laughs> and and finally, <laughs> just, finally, it just, finally, it just got to me and I, and I had to do it. That's wild, huh? It's cool that a parent can see something in you that you don't see in yourself, just like a coach, I guess, does that. And we can't force us to do anything. No. We can figure it out on our own. That's right. You went to chiropractic school, you finished it, and you moved to, I think, somewhere in Tennessee, correct? Yes. I was in Nashville for a short time, uh, had a little practice there for a little while, and then I moved back to Louisiana had a practice there for a little while. And then after that, I was kind of working for other doctors here and there, filling in, uh, doing work for them on top of every now and uh, I also had a few jobs as well that I was doing. Sometimes you have to uh, make the bills. Right, right. <laughs> no, no, that's true. <laughs> I was curious about this. You know, when I go back to the States, everybody assumes you're just going to either A, start a practice or, you know, go work for somebody. And we don't have to go too far into the bad work situations that occur. But when you do doing fill-in work, that's something that I was interested in. I've heard of people being able to do this full-time. Were you able to find that you could get enough gigs every week to make your ends meet or even be profitable? Like, what opinion on that? Well, okay, Here, here, here's my opinion on it. I think had I pushed it, I could have had enough gigs to make it a permanent thing. But I wasn't pushing for it because, of course, I had other passions as well. So... Totally, I think it probably could have been done. Uh, I did get up substantial enough to kind of help pay some basis, you know, yeah. but, to make, but to make that full time living saying, hey, this is what I do. I feel in I would have had to hustle and really be knocking on everyone's doors. Uh, but I think it I think it could have happened for sure. So it really is something that where you you could put your name up on a couple of websites, but you need to be sending emails or faxes or letters to all the doctors saying, "Hey, I can do this. Let me know when you want to take a break." I'm, you know, da 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 da. Right, and and I can say this too: most of the doctors that I filled in for, they wanted me to adjust them first. So obviously, they wanted to make sure that they had the appropriate person in their office. Well, that could be challenging if it's like a you know, if you're in say New Orleans and you need to go to Shreveport, which is roughly five and a half hours away or something like that. You're like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to drive, you know, 10 hours round trip to, uh, <laughs> right, right. Well, I'll be test honest, my skills. <laughs> most, most of my gigs were, uh, the furthest out I was from where I was staying was, uh, two hours. So I, I didn't really have to go too far within my local area. Okay. So I was just, you know, I just, you know, just brainstorm sometimes and, uh, with his guests. And that was when I was like, you know, I'm licensed in three States, but you know, I'm not just going to drive all the way to Oklahoma and be like, hey, guys, oh, you didn't like my skills. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, <laughs> Oops. <laughs> like, but, you know, if you're gone for a week, you know, that's one of those little things. You're like, look, I need airfare or at least, you know, gasoline or something in a hotel for however many days. And, you know, depending on how busy somebody is, it could be worth it for them, you know. Right, right. Okay. Well, that's fun. So, Dr. Amy, based on the experience that you've had, you know, a couple practices, fill in. Now you're actually at a school teaching adjusting and a couple other different classes. What did you say that you've discovered is kind of your specialty these days? Uh, well, actually, uh, I kind of feel like that is my specialty is like teaching adjusting uh, to the students. 
Um, and it, it's very fun and rewarding when you when you see them adjust for the very first time and their little brains get excited. It's, it's really fun. A bunch of high fives go around. So it's, it's very it's very interesting. And I, that's what I love to do. So it works out pretty good that I'm in the adjusting courses. Students tend to, you know, sometimes we can have like a bad attitude or we just get, sometimes we're excited. Maybe you're at that point where all the kids are super stoked about, yes, this is what I came to school for. It's finally happening. Uh, versus, you know, at some point when you're just like, I just want to be done with school. Can I get out and get, you know, start getting a job? I think that we run the gamut. What are you finding? Are, are the students these days, are they moldable? Are they willing to accept guidance? You know, those types of feelings. Do you feel like you're able to truly impact these youngsters, as they say? And and how do you feel like your role is in that? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, most of them are very open-minded. I, I'm not going to lie. There may be a couple here and there that come through that, that you can see kind of are closed off. But the good thing is, you know, as instructors, we all have our own personalities. So if 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 we find that a student is kind of closed off to let's say me, for example, they may be more open to one of the other adjusting instructors. So overall, the good thing about that is, is, is having multiple instructors within the classroom allows for there pretty much to be open-mindedness with all the students and for them to all take input about what we're telling them. So, so that's the good thing. And, you know, it's definitely impacting because we all kind of do our own thing, right? It, the end product, it is, it's the same, but how we get there, sometimes the setup's a little bit differently based on our body sizes. And so when we see one student struggling with doing it a certain way, then we mention, hey, how about this way? And then you can see that they take on to that and it works for them. And that, that leaves you with a really good feeling. So tell me this. They got small people. We got big people. It's always quite interesting, I would say, teaching people. And, and they say, oh, you're just a small little girl. You can't. You can't adjust and you need to be a linebacker. That's, that's what it needs to be. That's obviously, that's not true, correct? Absolutely not true. You know, I, I, I myself and I've seen people even smaller than myself, uh, just some pretty huge guys. So it really comes down to technique. Angles of the adjustment, the, the thrust and all that stuff. Right. It, do you have the right line of drive, uh, the right speed, the right force and uh, that's one thing that you develop with time. But the cool thing is now at the school, we've got this new technology. It's called a force sensing table. And so, you know, the force table allows them to adjust and then see their line of drive. It allows them to see the force that they put into the adjustment, how fast. That, yes. Yes. How fast that adjustment was and um, amongst a few other good things. So uh, it's it's really neat. Uh, to be able to bring the students in there and then they can see where they are now and then we bring them back later and they can see that they've improved. And we've even used it to help students improve as well if we saw they were struggling quite a bit. Is that how you test now? Like I remember when we were in school, you know, you just had to pretend, you know, just kind of show the fact like this is the direction I'm going, you know, and more verbal with a little bit of uh, visual cues now or is that how they get tested like do it on the machine and if, the, if you didn't do it correctly as of this point we're not actually using it as a testing measure we're just using it as a, a tool to help the student to learn and to keep them engaged uh, we haven't got as far as putting it into the assessment part yet but mm -hmm. 
hey, that that may come at some point. Oh, you know it will. Because you know if you if you're learn if you're trying to adjust on a machine, just like when you play a video game on your phone, you're like, I pushed the button. Why didn't it do what it's supposed to do? And then you lose. So I can imagine that thing. You'd have to have a lot of practice. You're like, all right, how do I make sure that it shows a rotation to the left with a little bit superior, you know? Right, right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's very I like that. It's, it's very nice. And now we have these patient simulators, which are really cool because you can actually give that simulator specific conditions in which the student will have to go ahead and monitor and figure out what possibly could be going on with that simulator. So it's very interesting. Okay. So it it looks like a mannequin or like a, you know one of those CPR dummies. It has that kind of look to it. Yes, it's a, it's a full body, full body, and uh, it it's lying on a hospital bed. Ah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, it is very neat. Ah, because otherwise you never really know what these things look like, sound like, yeah. feel like when you're doing right. those exams. Right, but you, it's it's really their their eyes will dilate. Huh. <laughs> it's, it's it's very interesting the amount of technology. That's really uh, cool because at least you get an idea. Um, I mean, I had a patient. I remember one time because we're all pale. And kind of cold sweats and was complaining about like an arm being numb. And I was just kind of like, I don't really, I don't really like the way you look right now. And so you, know, you, you work up a little heart routine and you're like, ah, oh, man, I don't, I don't think it's just safe to be here. You should, we're going to go ahead and get you out. And, uh, it was a good, it was a good call. It was a really good call on my end, but it was definitely like an intuition. And then right, right. studied and you're like, okay, this is how it plays out. Which I guess that's why in, in like in medicine school you get these residencies and you see everything and so you're like, oh yeah, I've seen it. And then, you know, student clinic and the main clinic, you see what you see. Sometimes you're lucky and you see a lot of crazy stuff and that's a good thing. And sometimes you kind of just see regular people and once you get into the real world, you start seeing more and more and that's when you really start to learn a lot of, of all that. Well, before we get into, I think, the, 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 the crux of our interview, one of the things I like to ask, and sometimes I don't ask it, but being that you see, you've seen it in the real world and you see it in the school setting, what are you noticing in some of the misconceptions about chiropractic? I think the biggest misconception today is um, even though we're widely accepted in the medical community, I feel that people outside of the medical community still don't quite really understand the vigorous training that we go through as chiropractors. And I think that's probably the misconception. Uh, like, I can't tell you the number of times that it, it's, it's come up that uh, I've, you know, dissected a human. And when you tell people that they're like, you did what? And I'm like, yep. I, and, and it's just, it's just amazing. They don't, they don't realize the, um, the amount of uh, vigor involved and how much in-depth learning we, we get on anatomy and physiology and all those other good things. Yeah. So did you ever use that paper that compared the medical doctor versus the chiropractic education? Did you ever you remember that paper? I do remember that paper, but I never used it. And I never used it because at the time when I when when I looked it up, it wasn't accurate, Justin. So I didn't know what the actual facts were, so I couldn't use it. I don't think it's accurate either. Like that's the yeah. point. Uh that's, that was my joke about it because maybe there's some areas that are true. Like maybe we do have more, you know, anatomy and uh, basic physiology. But I, I think it was a miscued document and I don't think many people are using it these days because, I mean, we take one pharmacology class. So that's a huge difference is, you know, whenever they're in school. Right. 
they always have a little bit of, anytime they learn something, they can always throw in, oh, these are some of the drugs that we would use to treat it. So there's always some conversation about the pathology and the treatment. Whereas when we're learning a lot of basic pathology, you just kind of learn the pathology and how to recognize it and how to pass boards. Because a lot of the stuff we're just not going to use, but you have to have this information. Otherwise, you would just be a technician. Right. And and like we get the nutrition part of it and the adjusting part. Where they're, where nutrition for them, from what I heard, was, I mean, that's like an elective. Yeah, exactly. Because the way we learn it is, okay, this is the symptoms of being deficient or being toxic and what you should be looking for. And almost looking at that as like, this is our pharmaceutical, is the nutritional right. counseling, if you will. And of course, you know, with the FDA, you can't say a whole bunch of that type of stuff. Like, you're not right. treating anything. But you can right. see signs and symptoms because you're deficient in magnesium or deficient in B3 or whatever, there's right. all these things that you can kind of correlate and say, oh, there's these six different things. And what's the rest of the symptoms and signs? Okay, boom. It's probably going to be this. So, right. Yeah. That was a tough class. That was a lot of, <laughs> there was a lot going I, on look. in those classes. Well, what gets you excited about the future? And that could be your future. That could be chiropractic's future, especially in the education realm. What are you seeing? You know, I'm just I am excited with with the technology for the future. I just absolutely love technology and the things it's allowing our students to actually see and experience before getting into outpatient clinic where they'll see real patients. Uh, it 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 just amazes it amazes me compared to what what we got versus what they're getting. I I think technology is helping to make the doctors of tomorrow better. And, and that's, that's no doubt. So I want to switch gears. One of your passions is music. You've been writing music for a really long time. I believe you play the guitar, maybe some country music, some songwriting. How does that affect your, your life, your career decisions, and, and what you're doing now? Well, you know, it's actually affected me a lot more than I ever thought it would. Uh, and the good thing is, well, the way it's affecting me now is uh, there's a few different things. One, being in education, not only am I allowed to utilize my songwriting, but I've utilized it in ways I, I didn't, I, I never really thought I would do. Uh, to, to give you an example, uh, every year at our cadaver ceremony, uh, our school has a service to honor those who have donated their bodies for us to, to learn from. And for the last two years, when I was doing the the singing for the program, I couldn't find really good songs that I thought were appropriate and thanked them enough. So I decided that this year I would actually write a song to help those people, uh, you know, to help pay tribute to those souls who've helped our future doctors and, and us as well. So that's what I did. And then I wrote it. And then I ended up, you know, posting on my Facebook and, you know, I really didn't think that it would have the impact that it did. And I started getting people contacting me and thanking me for writing the song. And, you know, I guess it's something people don't usually talk about. No way. Because, yeah, because like I had no idea how many people I knew that had actually known rel- relatives and friends who, who donated themselves to science. And so they just felt very honored uh, that that song was written for those people. Really? So it's, it, yeah, 
So it's made me, you know, I, I was really happy to hear that because obviously as a songwriter, uh, it's, it's good when you touch someone and then to see it's touch someone kind of like dual channels, right? Like, you know, the whole donation learning and the, the writing kind of everything combined. It was, it was really neat. You know, and that's something I don't think we think about very often, especially once you're past that part of the education is somebody had to donate their body so that you could learn off of it. And a lot of people have no desire to even donate organs, even though they passed, to help somebody survive, much less donate to science to where we can do what we need to do to further our education and educate doctors for the future. So I think that's kind of cool that you were, you know, aware that, hey, this is a big deal and picking a song and having a sing song that's actually a big deal as well uh, if we're trying to actually honor these people the way they should be honored i mean that's commendable i don't even know if that's a good word for this but i like it now, <laughs> sounds like a good word justin it sounds good enough for you okay i'm rambling today what we'll do is she's given us permission which is really cool at the end of the episode we'll actually just play the whole song is that true sure there we go so at the end of the episode you're not going to hear me talk too much. It'll just be the song. You can listen to it, put your mind right where it's at. And uh, we're really thankful that that's there. And what is your plans? Do you hope that maybe a big name could pick it up and write it and like uh, sell the sell the rights to it? Or, or it becomes a thing that you are known for throughout the different colleges uh, throughout the states? Or any, any plans with that? Well, I can tell you that I have received um, emails from a few colleges that will be showing it to the students who organize their their ceremonies. So it's a possibility that they will use the the song, which is really neat. And you know, as soon, if I hear anything, as I as I know for sure who's who using it, I'll definitely make sure that everybody knows, and I'll thank those colleges. Yeah, that's really nice. The distribution to other colleges. Are we talking about chiropractic colleges potentially, like med schools and universities and in different states? Like, could this go? nationwide to all types of schools that use cadavers? Well, I can tell you there are some schools, uh, medical schools, without, with outside, within the United States. Uh, when I say outside, I mean outside of Texas, since you know I'm at Texas Chiropractic College. But there are some colleges that are definitely, uh, they've shown it to the right people, and it, it's possible it'll happen. Dude, that'd be cool. Not Man. That would be really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Ooh. The singing songwriting situation, that's got to be tough. Are you more of the person that's like, I want to be the next Reba McIntyre? Or are you the person that's behind the scenes that actually makes Tim McGraw look good because you actually wrote the lyrics? That that would be me. <laughs> that's, <laughs> behind that's the scenes? The behind the scenes. I Yeah. I mean, I do sing, and uh, but it's one of the biggest honors I could have would be having a bigger artist actually sing one of my songs. Because, I mean, that's where my heart's always been is, is with the writing. The first time I played the guitar, like seriously, my first thought, the very first song I ever learned was Silent Night. And my grandpa had shown me the three chords to play it. And what happened was, but I didn't know what it was for yet. And then I practiced those chords. And then one day he tells me, okay, start playing the chords. And when I tell you to switch, switch. And I'm like, okay, so started singing and then he would tell me switch to C, switch to G, you know, and he'd say it after each little line where he needed to switch chords. And I remember the first thought that came to my mind was, wait a second. If 
these chords and those melodies make a song, that means I can write a song. And, and that was my first thought. My, I never had the thought of, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get up there and shake my booty on the stage. My mm. first thought was, I can write this stuff. <laughs> and, uh-huh. I mean, I, and I was only seven. But, you know, that's that's uh, yeah, that's where my heart's always been is in the writing part. But when you're creating the song, do you put together like a melody to go with the lyrics or do you just submit a packet of songs to some organization, uh, just the lyrics, and then these artists maybe have somebody go through them and say, hey, these are some songs, uh, some lyrics that we went through, we like them, so tell me what you think for this next song or do you, like I said, or do you have to submit kind of a melody with the lyrics? Well, typically when you submit songs to pitch to artists to sing, they're, they're hearing a work tape, which is the music, a rough draft of the music, the melody, and the lyrics. So they're kind of hearing uh, uh, how that song is meant to kind of sound uh, at, in the end. And if you are co-writing with people, you may be in, in a situation where one writes the music and the other writes the lyrics. Or you kind of share both. Uh-huh. So, but, but yeah, um, so it does happen where you just write melodies or you just write lyrics or you can do both. But, but by the time it's actually pitched to the artist, typically it's, it's, it's the full deal, the full song that's pitched to that artist. Oh, wow. Okay. So Dr. Amy comes up with a little, a little jingle, got a little course or maybe a verse, or, you know, has the whole little thing that gets submitted to somebody. Somebody listens to it and is like, hmm, that has potential. Then they play with it a little bit, make it better, hire it out to somebody. And then finally that part gets pitched to the artist and the artist is like, meh. Or yeah, yeah, that sounds really great, but can we change it up a little bit and, and do a little something to it to make it my own? Yeah, now that that happens too, where you have a song that's solid and it's it's complete, and then they pitch it to the artist, and the artist is like, Yeah, but I want to change this line. And then and then depending on the publishers that the songwriters are working for, uh, then they'll make appropriate changes. Okay. Cause I would assume, you know, especially like in the pop world, my goodness. They have, you know, five or six, the same singers doing five lines and then they have to mix it. So there's an echo and like, actually, you're the only, you're, the, you're the background singer singing your own song, you know, so there's all these different pieces that they have to put together. Then they put the little special effects to make it sound the way it does. And yeah, now, now you're talking, yeah, now you're talking about the producing and the engineering of the song. So it's, it's a, I mean, there's a process, right? First you have the, you have the melody and then you have the lyric and then, after the melody and the lyric, then you come up with the music that supports that. And then from there, you, you do the production of it. And then you do the engineering to mix and level out the sounds. So it's, it's a quite, quite a process before you get a finished actual product that you hear on the radio. Now, and I don't know if this is true <laughs> or if, if, if it's just from the times. They were saying like, you know, like a Lunar Skinner song maybe had two or three people engineering it and doing it all and making a song. And you're like, wow, that's like a classic song. It only took three or four people. And then you have like a Beyonce song and there's like 16 different people working on this song for, you know, for single ladies, you know, or something like that. And you're like, it took 16 people to make this song. That is pretty wild to think. And then you have this song with like real musicians. (laughs) And it only took two or three people. You know, it, it really just depends. Like, 
I mean, you could even look at writers on a song and, and see that sometimes there's one writer and sometimes there's three writers and sometimes there's five writers who wrote a song. So, like, I mean, it just depends on, you know, if somebody hears something that's really cool and they want to put their two cents in and everybody's cool with it, then, I mean, it's it's really unlimited the amount of people that might work on something. It could be very okay. small to very large, just depending on the project and who wants well, to somebody be Somebody could write the hook. You know, this is everything is great, but we need like a little hook to bridge it better. And then boom, that person created it, and you're like, gotta get my credit. It's not for free, y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I've traveled back and forth to Nashville a lot. There was this writer who wrote with another famous musician. I, I'm not gonna name names because I, I don't want to do that. But and this guy had this really good song. By the way, it ended up on the billboards. Really good song. And but he was stuck on the bridge, which was just it was just a really it was really a one or two line bridge. It was not much, but he was stuck on it. He didn't like what he had, but he had a real solid song with the exception of those two lines. So one of the girls that he wrote with, he brought that into her and she went ahead and she heard it. And then like in a, just a minute, she's like, oh, why don't you say this? And it worked perfectly. It mm-hmm. fit. And she got half that song. I mean, <laughs> she got half like the financial. credit for that song. Financially, they, yeah, they ended up considering it a co-write between the two of them. And she got her 50%. He got his 50%. And he was, but, but I mean, you know, and it paid off really well for them, both of them. So, but that's the thing. I mean, you just never know, you know, who's going to come in there and say, boom, what about this? (laughs) Just don't know. Wow. I love Dave Matthews, man. And one of their songs came out. And it just, it just sounded like a little riff that people would come up with back when they were like 16, you know, just like, I really don't know how to, you know, let me just put it in there. And I was just like, they must have been really struggling if that's what they came up with. Cause it still didn't <laughs> sound that great. <laughs> they, I was like, funny. how many people Maybe approved they this? <laughs> they must have. I was like, they're just like, I give up. Let's just, let's just, bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> but you know, but you know, how many people really noticed what you noticed too? So you just never know who's listening and who's going to notice what. I, you know, it's funny because I find that lately I've been doing my own work tapes and, and recording my own music. And I've noticed that since I've been doing that, I can hear a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, inconsistencies or blips. But it's it's like that you could hear where something didn't go right or you could hear where they actually faded something down and faded something you could start to you start to hear everything even in the professional music when you when you when you're stepping into it it's pretty interesting <laughs> well, i got new music coming out for episode 100 and i uh was in a car and they gave me the information you know they sent it to me and i was like all right let me just listen to it so i was listening to it through my phone and i was like yeah it sounds all right you know let's 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 change it up a little bit then I finally have my good headphones, like some good headphones. I really enjoy them. I was like, oh, my goodness. This sounds fantastic. I was like, there's some bass in there. I was like, it was so rich. There's so much sound coming through my headphones. I was like, this is way better than just coming out of your computer speaker. I, I really liked it a lot more. There's just so much to it. and That's my point is sometimes you got to either have the ear, but you also have the equipment to be able to hear these right. little things like I don't need a $2,000 pair of headphones because let's just face it. I'm not that guy, but I do enjoy a hundred to $200 pair because you do hear some things that you're not going to hear from this, the basic Apple supplied headphones. Right. Okay, good. Glad I'm not the only one. 
Yeah, I've, I've, I've got my I use a studio pair. They're a hundred bucks. But, you know, I've, I've compared them on my own ears to the ones that are more expensive. And I find these have the best sound. And, and that's just me. You know, everybody's got their own preference. So these hundred dollar ones work great for me. <laughs> when I hate to bust everybody's bubble, but those beats, everybody's like, oh, I want beats. Well, if you actually research it, beats are made by who was it now? I don't remember anymore. They're just like sub licensed. Maybe they tweak it to make, you know, better quality stuff. But when you find, go to their actual website, there are other artists that they licensed some of their products to. So if you like this DJ or this singer or whatever, they have their own right. customized. So I'm sure they change a few things. But in reality, a lot of the technology is very similar to lots of different places. It's all about marketing. So exactly. you, know, you can save 60 bucks and just not buy the beats. Right. Quality, yeah. I mean, I I tried the Beats and I did not like it at all. I, I, didn't. I didn't either. Yeah. I was like, ugh. <laughs> I mean, honestly, at that point, I was like, I'm willing to spend the money. Do I want Bose? Do I want Steinheiser? Do I need JL Audio? Do I want, you know, what do I want? And I tried right. Beats first because that's the obvious choice. And I was like, mm, I'm going to return these. <laughs> yeah. Like very, I find they're very um, mid-ranged. I don't know how to explain it, but they're very, uh, I don't find them well balanced from, from your high range to your low range. I find it kind of all mid range. I, I don't know. It's really weird. I just, maybe it's geared towards the music that, you know, Dr. Dre's put through is maybe it's geared for that type of genre. Maybe. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'd you're not to... trapping it up on the weekends. No, <laughs> I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to go, uh, you know, well, when you go to Target, right, they they don't that's not the music that they have when you're listening with the beats. So you're right. Maybe that's where they're going wrong. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they need to put some put some Dre in there so we can, you know, or put some Kiki. Right. And that's uh... <laughs> yeah, that's popular. Wow. We're going really we sound like a bunch of old people. I heard that word Kiki. I don't know where I heard it from, but I, I know the young kids are saying Kiki these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, not Kinky. Oh, Kiki. No, it's Kiki, oh, I, like a name. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just messing. <laughs> I know the song. No, I saw this lady doing this dance. I was like, what is this? And then I Google, uh, YouTube it, and I'm like, oh, it's like a whole, like, trendy thing. Okay, okay, now I know what's going on. It's pretty funny. I know. You know when I first saw them, and I saw all these people wiping out on the concrete <laughs> after they jumped out of their cars? My first thought was, are they stupid? And then my second thought was, let them do it. More business for us. <laughs> oh man that's that's messed up oh. <laughs> hey it's true though right <laughs> yeah you know what i used to joke that's probably a bad joke but i used to say in one of our networking groups was like hey you know if anybody gets to an accident i'm not saying a bad accident but if no. you get to a little small fender bender why don't you go on and come to me and get checked out get you, get you tuned back up and uh every now and then you get somebody who don't realize my sense of humor and they're like i don't know that doesn't seem right and everybody else is like, dude, that's pretty funny. We know what you're doing. It's, we get it. So they, it's all about context and who you know. Oh, no, it's true. And some people, some people don't have a sense of humor, you know. <laughs> you don't get I'm to pick saying. so much who makes it <laughs> into these groups sometimes. All right. Switching it to it. We're going a little deeper. Yep, I'd have a morning routine. It's pretty popular right now. You know, my morning routine is, just, I mean, I get up, I pray, I thank God for my day, and um, I eat, 
I'm always hungry in the morning. So I eat. And then after that, I go about my day. I mean, I just do what's important. I do what, do what I feel is most important first. Do you have a go-to breakfast item? I know some people complain like if I eat grains or if I eat sugar, I feel bad the rest of the day. Other people are like, I need my coffee with my butter in it and I'm good to go. Anything, anything unique for you? You know what? Um, I love these. This week I haven't been doing, doing them. I bought a box of cereal, the dreaded cereal thing. Like Lucky Charms stuff? No, no, not Lucky Charms. It was a uh, Quaker Oats, honey oh, roasted that kind of cereal. oats. That kind of cereal. <laughs> um, and it was so yummy. But it's definitely got more sugar than what my go-to is usually. So I'm going back to my go-to. And my, <laughs> my go-to is those a little, um, they're called Oat Mega Bars. They're really good. They're yummy. So like oatmeal with some omega a- mega oils. Yeah, it's it's like in? oats. It's like oats and um, oh gosh, all kinds of other things in there. But there's only five grams of sugar in it. So yes, and there's seven grams of fiber, I believe, and like maybe thirteen proteins. So it's I really like it. When I was in America, breakfast was always I don't know, I just didn't wake up in time or something, but it was always a rush. It's like I needed a protein bar, you know, something that hasn't. Has more protein and fiber, but less sugar. That way, I don't crash and I don't feel like I just right. started my day off eating donuts. You know? Yes, I can't do the donut. Yeah, I'll definitely crash. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's uh, they're yummy. They really are, and um, it's quick. Yeah, I, I I'm not a morning person, so breakfast to sit there and make breakfast that only happens like on the weekend. <laughs> You know, I, I remember in school one time, my friends went to this Mexican place and brought me back a bunch of sopapillas. And they were, I guess they in the car, they were scheming and plotting against me because they knew however many they brought, I'd probably eat them. Oh. And because uh, I was just eating like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that day. So I ate, I don't know, three or four sopapillas. And then, <laughs> so of course, for the next hour, I was excited and like making jokes. And then the next hour, I was almost asleep <laughs> in class. And they were just laughing at me. They're like, we wanted to see just what would happen. And sure enough, you know, <laughs> blood sugar dropped. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you jerks. That no, was pretty funny. Um, all right. So one of our last questions. Do you have any favorite books, podcasts, even musical albums that, <laughs> that really you secretly love and that other people should definitely check out? You know what? I don't. As <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm so terrible at following people but i do youtube a lot but i'll just google things whatever i'm i'm in the mood for looking at or learning or knowing i'll google it but to say i actually follow something i don't i can say uh books though i i did read this little book one time and it's really a good little book and it's called you're a leader charlie brown and it's by carla kurtzinger and it is such a cute little book i re- i really enjoyed it uh, because what they did was they took principles about being a good leader, which, I mean, obviously, as a chiropractor, you want to be a good leader in your community and for your staff, right? Mm-hmm. And it, they put it in the perspective of each of the characters of Charlie, of uh, the Peanuts. So it's it's really neat and just it's just cute, and a, it's really a good little read. I really enjoyed that. Very nice. It's, it's fun to have a um, fresh perspective on an old classic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I'm like Snoopy, so I have to, you know, <laughs> Snoopy. Snoopy's how would, I would describe myself like Snoopy. That would, that would be me, Snoopy. How about you, mm. yourself, Justin? I've got to be honest. I'm thinking Peanuts. I'm thinking 
I don't even know the characters. <gasps> I think I'm more like a Calvin and Hobbes getting into mischief or something back then. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, it, it's really cool for anybody who knows the Peanuts. They might enjoy that little book. Indeed. Huh, there we go. Dr. Arton, where can people go to find more information about you, your doctor stuff, and your musical talents? Okay, so yeah, I do have a Facebook account. It is private. Uh, so you would have to go ahead and find me and then uh, message me and ask to be my friend. But it is private. So uh, if you do do that, um, it, just bear with me. It may be a while before I accept your friend request. Chances are if you see if I see you're a friend of Justin's, I'll I'll go ahead and accept it. The other place you can find me is the song dot com. And on there, I also have links to my, my SoundCloud account where you can go ahead and download my songs for free if you choose to do so. Yeah, I like that. TheSongDepot.com. Yes, indeed. Okay. Dr. Amy, thank you so much for, for being on the show. It's always fun to get a different perspective. Uh, you know, like you said, like I've said before in the show, someone who's had private clinic, they've done different types of jobs, they're working in a the school, they've got these hidden talents that we don't know about. Really enjoyable. Thank you so much for, for coming on and, and being open with us today. Thank you, Justin. It was it was a pleasure to be on the show. It's always good to get with you and, and hang out anytime. I really want to take a second and say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you haven't left a review on your favorite listening app, please go ahead and do that. One thing I've realized, I've been putting out a lot of links all over Instagram, Facebook, this podcast itself. And if you ever change the link or shut a website down, all those links are now gone and dead. So I just want you to know, if you're listening to some of these episodes and I mentioned a link and it's gone, just head on over to a doctorsperspective.net and you're probably going to find that thing you're looking for on the top menu. Search around and I'm sure you'll find it. All the books you can find there, acupuncture book with no needles, the free chapters you can download, the 360 degree health from exercises, stretches, financial health, what is chiropractic, and the free chapters are there t-shirts, resources, and we even have a financial support site now. It's just a doctorsperspective.net slash support. There's one-time support. There's monthly support. Go ahead over there and check it out. Something that I'm offering right now with the needless acupuncture, if you buy the book, you also get the electric acupuncture pin for free as a bonus. And that electric acupuncture pin helps you not only stimulate the points stronger, but helps you locate the points as well. So that's a huge plus. And then with the uh, today's Choices, Tomorrow's Health book, I'm offering a bonus of a uh, one-hour, one-on-one uh, coaching session to go along with the purchase of that book. Actually, there's three different bonus packages if you head to a doctorsperspective.net slash no needles. It's getting close to the end of the year. Are y'all ready for the 2018 top 10? I mean, it's too early right now, but it's going to be here before you know it. That will be available for download later on, just like the 2017 is now. You just heard a great guest implement one thing, make your practice and personal life as best as it can be. It was a Monday morning, there you were so still, and as I stood over you, I was overcome with Never